UX Podcast Episode 90. podcast balancing business technology and users every other friday from stockholm sweden i'm james roy lawson and i'm pat axbom and it's our first show of 2015 which is pretty cool god you know i was almost going to correct you and say 2014 (laughs) no it is 2015 it is it's fantastic did you think that we were going to be doing this show for this long when we started out of course i did Okay, cool. <laughs> although, it, yeah, although you're right. I, ha- is, I had my doubts. I yeah, my doubts. but it is a bit it is a bit interesting that, mm-hmm. yeah, again, we're at the beginning of the year. And we often have a little kind of, well, the, the, we're having a link show today. And it's often the case we start the year with this kind of, oh, looking back or looking mm. forward. And like so many shows and so many things do. Well, like you always do when you're coming out of Christmas and New Year's and you're thinking about, what am I doing with my life? Because mm. you've had so much time to actually sit down and think. And you realize, what am I doing? And uh, well, and you thought what, what, we're doing a podcast. Well, one of the things I do love, and I realized I want to do more of, is the podcast. So I really, really, really want to make sure that you, we can keep doing this. You're going to scare the listeners now. They're going to think we're going to go weekly. <laughs> we have talked about it. Yeah. Uh, no promises. But yeah. I, I'm really looking forward to the Link Show again as well. It was a long time ago. It, August was yeah. the last time we um, blessed our listeners with a Link mm. Show. Uh, so, uh, what articles have we picked up for today? We oh, we have three articles. Yeah. Um, um, first one up is going to be um, under-resourced and isolated. Who would be a digital marketing manager? Um, right. and and the other one is the seven most important UI and UX ideas of 2014, which sounds old, but it's fresh and new. Mm. <laughs> I, love the, I love the page-turning effects. You've got there. Is that a button on your iPad? <laughs> I'm going to paper. That's another thing I'm doing this year. <laughs> I'm giving up Facebook and I'm going over to paper. <laughs> Third article. Are you a robot? Introducing no capacha, re-capacha. What did no, you just I... say? Capacha? <laughs> Is that a fruit? I have no idea what I said. <laughs> I was really concentrating hard on saying it right and I'm not sure I did. It's a... Oh, we'll get we'll get to that. We'll get to that. The no capture, uh, recapture. Yeah. Didn't I say that? Oh, I don't know. You said capture. Oh. <laughs> okay. oh. I love that. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's better. We're really enjoying ourselves today, apparently. Yeah. Uh, before we jump into going through those articles, uh, I want to mention, uh, like we did in the last show, that if you haven't already gotten your ticket for Business to Buttons, the conference, then do that by all means. If, if you use the UX podcast uh, short code. What is that? Is that just UX podcast? Yeah. Oh, right. That simple. UX podcast. Yes. One word. I think you get a 10% discount. Uh-huh. If you register before January 31st. 31st. January 31st. So uh, go check out that conference. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about more about who the speakers are after this. Alrighty then. Okay, so um, under-resourced and isolated, who would be a digital marketing manager? And this was an article um, on um, The Guardian, um, British um, um, newspaper. You still call them newspapers, don't you? Even though they're basically websites. Well, oh. I think so. <clears throat> well, um, a British newspaper. It was an article actually from November, um, but it it's, doesn't lose relevancy. Um, 
It, um, Things like this never do. No, no, no. no, it's just, no of course not. Um, <laughs> I'll give a little... Oh, it's by John Myers, um, who is Vice President and Marketing Manager of um, for um, EMEA at Martin Software. Um, John D. Myers on Twitter. Um, and um, here's a little snippet from it. Um, the digital marketing manager's work has become as complicated as the purchasing journey, grappling with fragmented media channels in an avalanche of new data. 72% of managers feel their job has become more complex in the last year. Getting a clear, getting a clear picture of what a normal customer journey looks like is now almost impossible. Mm. So it's actually not too long of a read this, so you should actually check out the article. Uh, and like James was talking about, it's all about the increased complexity of digital marketing managers and uh, the fact that our uh, digital universe is doubling in size every two years, which mm. is insane if you start thinking about it. Mm. Especially if you've been around for as long as we have in this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he also goes into some points about your role not being recognized in the company and your boss not having a poor understanding of what you're doing. And so you ha you're dealing with all this complexity and people outside of your role are not realizing how much of a complexity you're actually dealing with. It's a really tough role, mm. yeah. and then even even with the even within your your um, part of the organisation that does get it, mm. it in itself is also siloed. And this is we, we this yes. is back to the basics of what this show started with. Mm. Um, you know, you've got paid media and and um, search and mm. I was you've got groups within you got, your you digital got the group. Accessibility people, you got the search people, you got the UX the, guys. The UX, yeah. yeah, so you've got the fragmented disciplines so we, within the teams. Exactly. So you've got silos within mm. the digital world, mm. and then you've got the digital world being isolated mm. from the organisation in many situations mm. or misunderstood, and also as this goes on about as well, mm. under resourced, seriously mm. under resourced. And, and that's something that at least I do and you as well come, mm. up, come up against all the time, that um, clients are really overstretched, mm. under-resourced. And uh, sometimes they, they don't even have, they, they, they don't have the time to make good considered decisions because they're so stretched. Right. Or they don't have the time to, to come up to speed enough um, to understand the decisions we've made for them because they don't have time to make them themselves. As well, yeah. Um, so you, and their budget, of course, is strangled so that they often don't have the extra resources to pay for us to explain to get them up to speed so they understand the decisions mm. we made before them because mm. they don't have the time. But also just the complexity of all the data you already have. You're producing mm. new data, but you also have the old data that you have to take <coughs> care of. And that's talking about yeah. budgets. They don't budget for taking care of the old data. Right. So that just sort of dies. Or you have, you have to start spending time doing both and people get burnt out. And mm. it's just... <laughs> big pay going mm. out in the companies today it's just insane realizing how much content they have that they're already maintaining mm. and they're thinking well it's not too expensive to actually create some new content over here or this mm. campaign over there that's pretty cool and we'll keep that out as well mm. and there's just too much stuff for people to maintain they they don't feel real ownership of once you've worked a few years at the company mm. yeah I, I think the, the another issue I see as well, especially when we're dealing with the kind of new website type projects, the um, a lot of organisations are, are ramped up with um, web editors or other resources who are good, like you say, at mm. maintaining content or producing content. The, mm. the writers, the copywriters, the proofreaders, the people who can deal with the the, the, the site or whatever it is you've, yeah. you've got once it's up and running. So when they come crashing into a, a, a redesign project. They've got no resources on board internally that can exactly. deal with <laughs> with the momentous task mm. of 
of a redesign mm. project because mm. you, you don't there's, there's a lot more different aspects and like you say old data old content mm. new data new content um, just you know, the design right. the, the the user research all these kind of things are just mm. not part of their daily work because they're just well I say just I'm simplifying mm. it a bit but they've got a much narrower day to day focus yeah I, I can't count how many of those projects I've actually come into where you have to redesign an old website and early in the day when I used to come into these and I started thinking, why don't we just just delete everything and start with a blank page? And I think that's sort of what people have to become more brave and start doing that no, more. No, but you can't always do that. That's, you, that no, you can't always no, do it. you can't do it. It's a lot of cases. <laughs> well, no, because we're just... You haven't even listened to what I mean. All right, go on. <laughs> Sorry. Well, well, essentially, I am saying, I think, you, I think you may actually be getting it and getting me right. I am saying start with a blank page. Of course, you don't ignore the old content. Of course, you have to take into account the old content, but the old content is like a prototype for your new website. So what you have to do is you actually have to think about how do we make sure that people know where to go if they're looking for the old stuff when they come to the new stuff, but start with the new stuff. And if you start with a blank page, what happens is people start asking for the content that they actually want, that they sort of miss now that it's gone. And you have more people uh, giving you an idea of what what content is important. I kind of agree with you, but at the same time you're falling for the same mistake so many customers of mine do initially, is that your website is a living, beating heart. So when you do a big redesign, you rip the entire heart out, and then your new design, new site comes in, you've got to push it in there. Whether it's a blank page or not, you've got to push it into the space where the old heart was sat beating. Mm-hmm. You've got a lot of things you've got to connect to you know, reasonably quickly, or your patient's going to die. So no, I agree with that. I, so I so that, yeah. now when you've kind of such got an interconnected mm-hmm. web presence mm-hmm. with things like, especially Google, mm-hmm. starting with a blank page, suddenly then you, you you're creating so many broken broken links or broken mm-hmm. points or places where they would normally find you, they can't find you anymore because you've started with a blank page. So you've got to do a certain amount of you can't start with a blank page completely. Well, you can't delete all your old articles. That's not really what I'm saying either. Yeah. Uh, you need and absolutely you need to maintain the links, but sometimes the links will lead to yeah. a completely new page. Exactly, mm. exactly. Yeah. So and that's a, another area mm. where we start seeing what we we don't put enough resources maybe in yeah. a lot of organisations into looking beyond mm. the the web page. Yeah, absolutely right. What we say about um, starting starting again, looking afresh, trying to work, reevaluating what is important and what is needed, but that's often where the ball gets dropped, mm. and not the whole journey from from that kind of search right. box or whatever point they start at, mm. right the way through to kind of satisfied. And again, you have to start thinking about, it's not about the number of clicks or the number of reads or the number of people visiting your website. So you may actually be spending too much money maintaining the website yeah. and really attracting people who don't you don't make any money out of. Mm. And that realization is really important, I mm. think, uh, in, in a redesign when you actually may be thinking of doing it over again because you may be doing the wrong things today. Mm. And that's what really, I think, what I'm after is ensuring that you're doing the right thing. Mm. Uh, yeah, and that goes into, that brings into nicely some of the um, um, the tips in the article about how to break down these digital silos. Um, so what John um, suggests, um, one of his tips there is move individuals between your digital silos. So yeah. when you've got a little, you know, some, some of these variations in, in, in teams, so you've got your, your search or whatever, or your design or something. See so if you can move people around between them to, to encourage knowledge sharing and, and learning how the other side feels. Mm. 
Um, I can understand that that maybe would cost you a little bit inside the company because you're going to be you're going to be bringing someone who's not up to speed into a team that's up to speed. But I completely agree with it. It's the it's the best way of breaking up silos. Mm. I think. Um, yeah, it's hard though. It's, it's, it's tough, really hard. but as part of a as part of a kind of as part of a tactic to to, mm. to build up teamwork and to work yeah. cross team, then switching people are, switching people between roles yeah. is a good way of, of learning. I like that. He also uh, touches upon the point of having a um, need uh, having a more focus on goals mm. uh, and really having everybody working towards the same goals and not thinking about the clicks again. Mm. Uh, so making sure that everybody understands why they're doing what they're doing because I think that's another problem that we have in the web. Mm. People keep, uh, again, maintaining stuff and they don't know why they're maintaining it. They don't know how it fits into the big picture of why the company is doing what it's doing. Yeah. Focus on the customer rather than um, shallow metrics like click-throughs because actually number of clicks isn't really important. Well, it can be. No, it's not. (laughs) It's a metric. It's a a measure. It's a step in the way. The, The actual click isn't important. The fact that the customer maybe has bought something is important. Yeah, or yeah, has, well, that's true. Yeah, you know, there, there yeah. is a real, there's a real yeah. end point. Exactly, but I thought you were saying it's not an important metric. Sometimes oh. it is, sometimes it isn't. That's different. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Metric having it as a metric rather than a goal. Yeah. True. Plan for a more integrated. Boy, we are smart. Aren't oh, we? yeah, we well, really. Yeah. We're solving Today. everything. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Plan for a more integrated 2015 was the end of his um, little quote at the end of his article there, and that's a good phrase to finish mm. that article on. Okay, so uh, I picked this one before I even read it. I, I read like <laughs> a third of it, and I realized this is pretty cool. Think of the Wizard of Oz. You're not mm. meant to pull the curtain back and show you're pressing all these buttons. I mean, keep some mm. illusion. You're going to be telling them there's <laughs> Father Christmas next. People need to understand how the. I mean, other people want to start podcasts. They have to realize what we're doing here. <laughs> uh, just being transparent isn't yeah. that what it's all about? No. It's quite the opposite. (laughs) The seven most important UI and UX ideas of 2014 by Kelsey Campbell Dalligan. Dalligan. You said that about as well as I did. um, See, this is the problem with... Capture. I can't even even read my own handwriting. So now I realize realize why I don't do paper. But I'm going to try and do more paper. Kelsey Kelsey Campbell Dalligan. Thank you. Uh, So these are a few techniques that... uh, well, they they have appeared already in 2014, but they're not really widely adopted. And what I really liked about these, some of these, is that they are moving outside the screen as a concept. So if we take the first one as an example, it's about having screens where you have buttons outside the screen. So, for example, you have a case for the iPhone. And you, exactly, you don't mean keyboards now. No. You, Which would be a button can... outside of the screen. Damn it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that would be... Well, that is a button outside the screen. Of course Fine. it is. Of course it is. Of course it is. What are you doing? You're interrupting unless, my train of thought unless, here. Unless it's a keyboard on the screen. <laughs> Which, But actually, it's a fair point. Because what this is doing is it's shining like a light. And you press the light and you mm. touch that. And you like play a game touching the lights that are... It's like a flappy bird example yeah, here. They're where... projected outside the screen, and you touch those. Mm. And there are actually like keyboards that are projected outside the screen, which are buttons outside the screen that yeah. you can touch. So, but it's not a physical object. No, exactly. It's a movement completely mm. away from yeah. what we see as a button. Mm. Because even the the on-screen keyboards 
have, have looked like keyboards. Right. Um, so we we didn't really move beyond mm. the keyboard. It just moved it onto a touchscreen. Right. Whereas these are some of these examples here are some really innovative. Um, it's also talking about ideas. skin buttons. Exactly. And I love that word. And it's not like from Silence of the Lambs with Hannibal. Oh, God. Damn, <laughs> that's, no, that's a skin keyboard buttons. you don't want. You'll remember skin buttons from now on. Oh. It's it's actually a watch that also then projects uh, images onto your wrist, actually. And you can press those to interact with the screen on the watch. Whenever mm. I see these kind of watches and this kind mm. of stuff, I just think about how irritating that will be to use on the, the train station in February when it's mm. minus 15. But it, yeah, yes. <laughs> it doesn't work, does it? doesn't it? work. No. <laughs> Damn. Well, boy, though, these mittens that you can actually use with your iPhone, they're it's, selling a really but is, a lot. Is it, isn't this kind of a problem when so much of this mm. um, gadget tech and stuff comes from California? It probably is. That's a, that's a fair point. Because, I yeah. mean, you know, you don't have to consider... Mm. We need most of to come from New York. Yes, <laughs> completely agree. Mm. <laughs> And while we're on the subject of watches, I actually want to mention the last uh, example in the article, which is fonts for smaller screens, which I thought was pretty cool. And it's uh, mm. the example is from a font used on the Apple Watch, but it, the font itself actually has contextual kerning, which means that, oh, which means that the space between the letters changes yeah. depending on how big the font is on the screen. I like that. Yeah. That's really thinking about readability in a new way. Exactly. And that, that's actually one of my reading all of these seven points and stuff. Mm. One of my reflections on it um, is, is the whole thing that we're, um, it, it feels like we're reaching a new level of maturity here yeah. with, with, with UI and UX. Um, that we're, we're, we're having careful consideration, again, about what really actually works or it feels like we're looking at things you say about the contextual um kerning so, so mm. you can see something adapts more than it's not just sim really really simple anymore mm. um you know looking at new ways to have buttons that actually work in our environments um google's material design yeah one of the points i was mentioning this was is talking more about uh, well, real fluid movements and and natural shadows mm. and this kind of thing connecting it to physics to so the physics mm. of the real real world i hadn't heard about google's material design you mentioned it this morning mm. And then I realized it's actually in the article <laughs> that yeah. I hadn't read. <laughs> no, I, I glossed over material yeah. design last year because mm. I don't do that much work with, with mm. mobile apps. So I mm. kind of put it on a shelf and say, oh, yeah, that's mm. interesting. And and then I kind of brushed it aside. Which in general is then about moving away from the skeuomorphic designs yeah. and from the shadows, but moving more to a something that resembles something that is a physical... Yeah, no, so not just flat design. It's yeah. it's it's a little bit more than just flat design. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to get into I, a review I, of... I hate flat design. But but yeah. um, but just with material design, Google's material design, I kind of, during this this during this Christmas, actually, I started to, realize, I started to notice it turn up in, in web apps as well as mm. just mobile apps. So we've seen a spread of that, a, you know, multi-platform and, and cross-device now as yeah. well. And that's, um, that's interesting to see how that's going to become more and more adopted in design generally, I think, this coming yeah. year. But also, again, it's uh, probably people reading, not reading uh, the reason for coming up with the concept of the material mm. design, but actually just looking at it and mm. then adopting it yeah. in ways that shouldn't be done. And then you get the whole thing where clients start mm. saying, "You need, uh, well, I want to do this based on material design. Right. It needs to look like Google. Because it needs someone to else did. like Google. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <sighs> But so those were the the ones I actually thought were the coolest in, in this. Uh, it also talks about the actual, actual then, since you were talking about the keyboards, you get mm. the phys making physical interfaces. 
that interact with the example here's an iPad. You can actually make a pillowcase into a musical instrument and stuff like that. And I think we, we're going to be seeing more and more of not using the actual computers as mm. the interface or the thing that you're working with. You're, you're going to be working within your environment. Mm. Uh, and I think there's some exciting stuff that we'll see mm. coming out. Absolutely. That, um, oh, I, I bought two Chromecasts this Christmas. Yeah. Um, and I knew about Apple TV for a while, yep. but I've got a I've got a mixed mixed race mm. household. No, well, not mixed race. Well, mixed platform household. <laughs> God, mixed platform household. <laughs> so we're, we're, we've got a couple of Apple devices and a little load of of Android or Windows devices. So Chromecast is, is mm. has, has been really really fun and interesting. Mm. And just this whole thing about going beyond or going beyond the device mm. or, or using the device as a hub mm. and you know the, the the TV interface is irrelevant now. Thank God, my smart my smart TV has at last become smart. Yeah, when you the, when you pulled out the brain. Yeah, when I put a Chromecast and give it a new <laughs> yeah. brain, um, and I don't need to touch your TV nonsense. Yeah, which is really nice. Mm. Mm. I like that. I had heard other people raving about Chromecast actually recently. Mm. I think it's uh, when it came out first, it was quite unstable, but it seems really stable now. Yeah. Mm. Um, Oh, well, getting too much into, do deeply into Chromecast, but um, there's a lot. I think um, the number of apps has increased a lot this last last bit of 2014, um, and there's also Swedish apps now, um, oh, okay, cool. which makes it much more appealing for yeah. here. It's not just kind of the the US ones um, yeah. or UK ones, yeah. um, and it's it does seem reasonably stable. Nice. Um, not 100, percent but you know, what what is these days? I'm not going to go there. No, I know you're not. <laughs> Uh, uh, one more complaint about this article before we finish. Yeah. Yes. Animated of course, gifs. I know. Yes. Animated gifs. I'm 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 starting to get as annoyed with animated mm. gifs as I I am. I used to be about mm. carousels. Um, mm. There. I mean, uh, this every single picture on this um, Gizmodo article mm. is is an animated gif. Mm. And I mean, I, I'm not di- dyslexic, mm. but almost everyone else in my family mm. is. So I'm just probably haven't had the test. Mm. And and I find it. I find it really mm. hard work to concentrate on reading this article because constantly there's stuff moving and I can't stop these animated GIFs. Yeah. Uh, and this is a trend we've seen all throughout those, uh, 2014. People are writing posts and uh, integrating animated GIFs mm. into them. You've and done it. I've done one. <laughs> I've done one. Mm. But I've also started actually doing, when I do my talks, I have animated GIFs in yeah. there as well. And that, that works better. It works better mm. because there's just the GIF that you're looking at. And it at. stops pretty quickly because you move on to the next slide. Exactly. Uh, pro tip from Scott Hanselman, actually. Yep. And uh, but what you're saying now about being dys- dyslexic and, and not really a- being able to uh, digest information mm. when that a- animated GIF is disturbing you—that's mm. a really important accessibility point. Mm. I, I promise you, that's not in VACAG or the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines. Because well, it does uh, say you should be able to pause moving um, pictures. That's true. That's and, true. And, and with and these animated GIFs, you can't. You can't. So right. they're they're not mm. they're not um, accessible. Mm. Uh, in that sense, very true. Um, uh, and on another... the other hand, having to go through a post with like twenty animated gifs and having to pass them all, of course, requires oh. an effort as well. There's almost certainly a plugin, but that doesn't—that's not enough. Yeah. Another thing is how it affects page speed. Yes. This mm. is a pain to load. Mm. Um, I mean, I can I can hear my fan increase as well sometimes you know, on the on mm. the laptop and on a mobile it's a it's a nightmare and oh, oh I've ranted before about page speed. <laughs> But so. it is one thing uh, we like to talk about because too few p- people talk about it. Yeah, you're right. Moving, Moving on. on. Okay. Well, you can say the title this time because you complained. You to, yeah. yeah, you okay. complained. So it's actually, uh, the title is, Are You a Robot Introducing 
the no capture recapture. Mm. Uh, it's on the Google Online Security blog. It's by Vinay Shet, who is the product manager for uh, recapture. Yep. Does I... everybody know what recapture is? Probably not. Does everybody know even know what a capture is? Probably not. So capture. No, no, just because I mean that word it, is a, it's, yep, it's, no, it's, it's a word it's, we throw it, around. Exactly. It's um, yeah. And uh, I mean, I my clients definitely know, don't know what it is. No. Uh, but they know what it is when I tell them because it's that at, when you're registering for a website and there's a at the bottom of the form usually uh, there's something asking you to type in these letters or type in these words Some or squiffy, skewy, hard to read, right. wavy letters. That Sometimes you need to it can even be in. perform a mathematical equation of some sort. Yeah, uh, and the uh, of course it's required for you to fill that in to prove that you're not a robot or an automated computer trying to gain access to the system and use it for spam or whatever. Uh, and this has been something that, I mean, those well, um, captures have been in, in use now for over a decade. Mm. Um, and it has been a UX pain point uh, for, for a decade as well. Yeah. Uh, we've hated them from day one. Yeah, and of course it is. I mean, it puts, it puts you're putting a lot of burden on the user um, to stop something automated from abusing your, your mm. service. Um, now so Google, is no capture, recapture a uh, step in the right direction? Well, so Google have put a lot of work and effort into trying to improve mm. it over the years. And, and they did do something called uh, recap, recapture um, a while ago. And they, they've now taken it to another level. Mm. Um, this is a quote from the article. Um, we figured it would be easier to just directly ask our users whether or not they are robots. So we did. Um, uh, they begun, we've begun rolling out a new um, API that radically simplifies the recapture um, experience. And they're calling it the no capture recapture. <laughs> it is the worst name ever. And it's not even correct. Because oh. you sometimes will, you will get the capture, what they refer to as the capture. And if you capture is actually an acronym, it's an acronym for completely automated public Turing test to tell computers and humans apart. See, and even that was a bad name. It's always been a bad name. It's Everything always to do been with a this bad has name. been a bad so name. And you're using the bad name. And you're saying that it's not a CAPTCHA, but apparently it is a CAPTCHA because a Turing test is the test of a machine's ability to ex exhibit intelligent behavior indistinguishable from that of a human. And that is exactly what they're doing. So it's not a no CAPTCHA. It's, it is a CAPTCHA still. Yeah, it is. So and, and change the name, Google. Oh, just give up with the name. <laughs> it just always bugs me because we no one knows what this, this means. And... Uh, I mean, fair enough, because they're only in some ways. This is the Google, Google's online security blog, so mm. they're aiming towards IT people and geeks and all sure. the rest of it. Anyway, mm. so there's a good chance we know what it's on about. Mm. But um, even though I hate the name and I think it's a drunken, daft idea, um, the concept behind it is excellent. Because mm. um, what they're doing, rather than rather than making you do a really annoying, uh, wavy bit of text, retype it in, all that kind of stuff. Um, they're doing advanced risk analysis at the back end. Mm. So Arab it, it, for short. Yeah, and it looks um, it, it looks at the user's entire engagement with the um, um, capture before, during, and after. Mm. So using like mouse movements, kind of where you've clicked, what's going on, because you know we're very human when it comes to looking at web pages. Yeah. Um, and bots are really not very human, and to to fake to fake that kind of interaction mm. um, is is. Not only impossible. Exactly. Um, uh, just an example of what you can do is uh, I implemented in one of my f early website. Uh, I was checking to see how long does it take people to fill in my contact form. It takes a lot of time for mm. people to fill in a contact form. Mm. It's way over two minutes actually yeah. uh, in general. So if you just set something that says if this form is submitted 
Quicker within than one minute, mm. then you probably have a spam robot going on here. Yeah. Uh, so that's like one one checkpoint you can have, and probably Google has hundreds of checkpoints that you're going through. Uh, yeah, certainly. And all, if all of those aren't confident enough, they will actually actually in this uh, solution as well throw up a traditional capture. Well, actually, not quite traditional. They've they've done it a little bit different. That well, sometimes they do, but a lot of the ones that they they throw up are ones like um, the, the example here will be they've they've shown a picture of a turkey, a photo mm. of a turkey, mm. and they say um, click on the images below that match this one. Ah. So you've got you've got like turkey, turkey, cranberry sauce, um, some kind of fruit, turkey. Ooh, this can go wrong culturally. A different I mean... type of bird. Um, some more. I don't know what that is. Even another turkey, and then um, I don't know what what is. No, I don't. Uh, they're too small for me to see what some mm. of these are. But you know, the, clearly some of them are bird, turkey birds, so you mm. can click on them, and that's something we're really good at. And human and computers are actually a bit rubbish at. Yeah. Um, but one one thing here is is still as well that. The, the the fundamental well the, the basic default uh, no capture recapture is a checkbox that says I'm not a robot mm. that you have to tick right now this is this still fail this is still too geeky mm. my mum doesn't I mean what my mum's gonna get really confused what do you mean robot why I don't understand why, why I'm even why, why, why are you asking this why would I even want to click that yeah. It has nothing to do with why I'm filling in this form on the yeah. on the bank side or whatever. So abstract. Travel arrangements. Yeah. Why do I have to click I'm not a robot? Mm. So why can't they change this question to something more, um, well, just something more acceptable, mm. more expected to mm. the user that would maybe be more fitting? Maybe you can change that text with the API. I haven't actually checked. Yeah. But in all the kind of propaganda I'm reading here from Google mm. about it, it says this, I'm not a robot. Mm. Um and that's not really that's not really going to work for a lot of people, so I'd like to improve the UX of that by by tweaking the question and um, asking something a little bit more natural. Mm. Um, I don't know whether maybe just yes, I'm a human would work. <laughs> um, so you kind of do it instead of doing a negative question, right. do a positive question, um, or have a I am a robot and not click it. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that would work. Mm. Mm. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I think it, it's a, I, I like the work they're doing. And I love the fact that they're using data yes. um, at the back end. But it's about bloody time. <laughs> you couldn't say. Um, yeah, and, and it's still not quite there because I think they yeah. could do this. I, I think they could do this probably without the checkbox. Yeah. Like you said. Um, with the two minutes, you know, timing on the page. Exactly. I think, I think there's ways of doing this, so you don't need to see any. You shouldn't be able to. You shouldn't have to see it. exactly. If they're if they already made a lot of tests to see and interpret if you are a human, mm. then don't show anything. Show it once you click the submit button, in case you have to show something. If it really is needed, it yeah. comes up as an extra question. Yeah, yeah. we're we're unsure if you're a robot. <laughs> mm. Can you confirm this, please? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That. See, we solved this in ten minutes. It's yeah, yeah. it's back to the whole kind of everything. Every interaction point is is some kind of barrier, yeah. and this is still a barrier. And I think they can work on it to even take it one step simpler and remove it, so we get rid of the "I am not a robot" question. Yeah. Affirmative. I've got an awful. All my diodes on my right hand side are aching. <laughs> uh, are we done? Yes. Yes. Good. <laughs> Awesome. First link show of the year. Mm. Uh, that went great, I think. We no more, no more whiskey next we time. We need to pat ourselves on the back more. <laughs> Group hug. <laughs> there we go.
<clears throat> uh, so, pretty good post. I, I'm realizing that I, it is it is a damn complex world we're living in. Mm. There's so much to talk about. Mm. I mean, I mean, this podcast is evidence of that. We there's so many subject areas that we cover that it's just insane. It's, it's just impossible to actually be one person and try to keep cope with all these roles that you have to mm. have to have in a, a web environment. I know our, our list of show ideas mm. um, keeps getting longer, yeah. and we're struggling to make it shorter. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, that's just an yeah. example of how mm. things are getting constantly mm. more complex. Mm. Don't forget to um, use the UX Podcast discount code for Business to Buttons. Right. Which is here in Stockholm on the 21st of April right. this year. Um, we will be there. We're uh, going to be there. We're going to be podcasting from the event. Yes, we will. And Steve Wozniak will be there. Karen McRain will be there. Ethan Marcotte will be there. And I don't think we mentioned last time that Cindy Alvarez will be there, and she's the director of user experience at Yammer, and that's a tool that I've oh, used yeah. quite a lot. Oh yeah, with well, the years, yeah. And she also she's also author of um, Lean Customer mm. Development: Build Products Your Customers Will Buy. Mm. And she has a background in psychology, Ooh. which I always love. Uh, those types of speakers. You need to use that discount code by January 31st to get a 10% discount. Uh, so uh, hope you'll I'll see you there. Yeah, come along to Stockholm. Mm-hmm. And, well, you can um, find show notes for this show on our website, uxpodcast.com. You can also sign up for our backstage mailing list by visiting the website. Have Uh, I subscribed to that? Yeah. Okay, good. I think you were the second subscriber. Okay, good. Mm. (laughs) And um, if it's your first time listening, um, thank you very much for joining us. Um, You can subscribe to us via um, iTunes, Stitcher, and, oh, God, you know, pretty much everything. Um, oh yeah, you can look at uxpodcast.com slash um, subscribe for more ways to listen and um, little tips and tricks. Good one. Keep in touch with us and keep on top of the show. Nice. I really love Stitcher. I must say that. And I'm not sponsored by Stitcher, but I love, I love Stitcher because you can share content. We should be sponsored by Stitcher. I know we should be. You yeah. can share content and anyone can listen to it, to it despite they have, they're having another device than yours. So. And, and Serial Podcast was on Stitcher. Yes, it was one mm. of our favorite shows. Yeah. Remember to keep moving. See you on the other side.